So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and reading from verse 35. It says this. But someone will, will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will, that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are also earthly bodies. But the splendor of the, earth, of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And stars differ, differ from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of dust, of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are, in he are, are of heaven. And just as we, have, as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed. In a flash, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortality with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to, work, to the work of the Lord, because you know that that, 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 that labor, so the labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hand over to Nick now. He's going to bring another reading to you, which is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, page 1188. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Bill. So, page 1188. So, we're working through the book of 1 Thessalonians. So, it's probably it's the first or the second bit of the New Testament to be written, it's the earliest part um, of the New Testament. 
And what we do in the church typically, sometimes we go through subjects and sometimes we go through books of the Bible. And this time we're going through a book of the Bible. We're in 1 Thessalonians and I'm going to pick it up at chapter 4, verse 13. But because it's very thought, very short, I thought we'd just have that cross-reference um, with that other passage from 1 Corinthians. And our passage then for today goes like this. Brothers and sisters, he's talking to this little church plant in, in Thessalonica. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of, of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let's pray. Just ask the Lord to speak to us. Father God, we ask you to open the eyes of our hearts. Speak to us, we pray. Come by your Holy Spirit and give us understanding of the things we've read today as we try uh, to pull them apart and see what they mean. And impress on our hearts the things you want each of us to know and understand today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Death is temporary. Death is a temporary state. Ian, have I not uploaded my PowerPoint? I haven't. You poor people. Okay. Um, so you've got, the, you've got the sermon notes, so you might want, um, given that the PowerPoint's not coming up, so sorry about that, um, you might want to pick up then the sermon notes on the windowsills of some spare copies down here, and you're going to have to guess what the words are in the word search. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's going to keep you focused, isn't it? Okay. Um, death is a temporary state. Okay? We live a bodily existence now on the earth. We will live a bodily existence for the rest of eternity on a new earth. And death is just a temporary interruption between the two. How come? Why are we persuaded of this? Because that is what happened to Jesus. He lived a bodily life. He died brutally and sacrificially. And he rose again to a bodily life. And Jesus is therefore the pattern um, for the Christian. His death and his resurrection are the pattern for the Christian. He is the first fruits. I think that's the word on the word search, by the way. Um, Christ has indeed been raised... Um, Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians 15, it's earlier in the chapter we read. Christ indeed has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. In other words, Christ, like the first fruits, was the first bit of the harvest that came in, and then over time the rest of the harvest came in. So Christ um, has died and, and been raised again. He is the first fruits of those who are going to be raised again. And the rest of the harvest is you and me 
on all those other people who've trusted the Lord over the years. We will be raised because Jesus is raised. There are only really two points this morning. We will be raised because Jesus is raised. And the second one is when he comes, we will be like him. When he comes, we will be like him. Um, so uh, John says this, 1 John 3, Dear friends, now we are children of God. We know that. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This is and always has been a central truth to Christianity. It's not hidden. Um, it's not in one corner of the Bible. Uh, it, is, it is a central and core truth of Christianity, but and yet, like me, you probably find it as it has slipped out of the center ground. It is a concept that has no traction and maybe has no impact on your life. So today we're going to look at it uh, in a bit more detail. But the first thing we're going to look at is a misunderstanding. So firstly, it's important to understand that Paul doesn't give us the whole end time story here. Because he's dealing with just one understanding that the Thessalonians have. And it's always quite difficult, but it's one of those things you have to do in the Bible uh, to work out what is the problem, given that this is the solution. Um, Paul is giving us a solution to a problem. What's the problem that the Thessalonians have? Well, it sounds like this. One person, or perhaps more than one person, has died. It's a little church plant. It's only a, it's only a matter of months old. You know, Paul, is, Paul has sent Timothy to find out how they're getting on. You remember that? Um, and now he's writing this letter back to them. But in this kind of relatively short period of time, somebody has already died. And the church members are wondering, if this person has died, are they going to miss out? when Jesus comes again. Because when we read this, it sounds like even Paul is expecting that he will be alive when Jesus is coming again. It sounds like he's expecting it quite soon. Maybe that's the impression he gave, or maybe that's been a misunderstanding. But either way, somebody's died and they think, oh no. If they've died before Jesus returns, are they going to have missed out on the resurrection that's been promised? And so they're like, um, Paul says, they're, they're, they're full of grief, um, like everybody else who has no hope, like the man or woman in the street who doesn't have any uh, hope or reason to believe that when somebody is dead, they're not just simply gone. So that's the misunderstanding. I'm trying to think what the word was in the word search, but I can't remember. Um, <coughs> And the answer is this. Paul's answer is really clear. He says, the Lord Jesus will come down from heaven. So, okay, the, the Lord Jesus is in heaven now. Those who have died uh, have gone to be with him, and he will come down from heaven loudly and publicly. He says, with a loud command, an archangelic voice, a trumpet call, and, and Paul says, the dead in Christ will rise first. This is the answer to their misunderstanding. Those people have already died. They will rise first. And then they will be um, caught up together with those Christians who are still alive 
to meet Jesus in the clouds, is what it says, and to meet the Lord in the air. And then Paul says, they will be with the Lord forever. But we have to notice again, this is not a complete end time scenario. Paul is not giving us an answer to the question, what are all the events that are going to happen in the future between now and when Jesus comes again and after Jesus comes again? He's not answering that question. He's answering one question. Will those who die before Christ returns be disadvantaged? Over and against those who are alive. And the answer is clear. No, they won't. On the last day, the dead in Christ will rise first and then only together. Together might be the word in the word search. Um, and only then, but it might be a complete red herring. But that'll keep you going for a bit. Um, <laughs> And, and together, only then will, will uh, living Christians be joined with them for what happens next. Where did you get that from? Oh, yeah, oh, clever man. I have sent them out. Yeah, they're on the WhatsApp. The slides are on the WhatsApp if you want to, if you want to see them. I did send them out ahead of time. That's, that's a brilliant bit of ingenuity. Thank you. So what was, what was the word? It was together. Yeah. So for a moment, we need to look at the bigger picture. Okay, and, and try to bring in some other information. Um, and this is for those who want to kind of study this in a bit more detail. There are some important words in our passage. The word for Jesus coming um, is parousia. And if, if you study these things or if you're going to read about them, you'll need to know that word. The parousia, um, P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A, means the visit of a ruler, Jesus coming back. The word for caught up, it's a Greek word harpazo, it means snatched, um, taken away by force. And through that we get the Latin word for rapture. And all kinds of schemes are, are built around this idea of, of rapture. being, But it means kind of snatched away, um, snatched away by, by force. And there was a point where Paul was in Jerusalem um, and he was facing a mob and the, uh, the Roman authorities came and they raptured him. <laughs> They, they snatched him away by force. Um, they took him forcibly away so he'd be safe. And the Latin word for meat is apantensis. You don't need to know that. But one of the dictionaries I read said it's to be understood as a technical term uh, of a custom whereby you went out to meet a dignitary, um, gave them a public welcome, and then you came back into the city um, where they were. And that's the view... I would take of this passage. There are other schemes, um, uh, and I'm not knocking them. I give them all respect. But I would take what they call an amillennial view, put this passage together with other passages. I would say that all these things happen on the same day. There'll be one day um, when Christ returns, um, the dead will be raised. And what uh, what Paul says here about the meeting the Lord in the air is this kind of going out to meet him and that they will come back and then there will be bodily raised the dead and those alive in Christ bodily on the earth together in those new bodies that 1 Corinthians 15 talked about. Whatever scheme you take of the order of events, um, the end state is the same. Uh, that Christians will be raised and they will have a bodily existence in a new heavens and a new earth um, with the Lord forever. But really only, as I say, two points to try and, and take away today. Um, Perusia was the word in that one. Um, we will be raised because Jesus is raised. 
It's core Bible truth. We will be raised bodily because Jesus is raised bodily. Do you get that? So death is like sleep, and Paul talks uses that um, euphemism here. Um, talks about those who have, have fallen asleep, not because they're unconscious. If you died today and you went to be with Christ, you would go, your soul would go immediately into the presence of Christ, the conscious presence of Christ. So as Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Or as Paul says, for me to live uh, is Christ and to, to die is gain. He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But death is like, is like sleep, not because it's unconscious, but because it's temporary. And it's followed by our awakening and a getting up out of bed. And the proof of this is that Jesus has died and been raised again. So you will die. Looking confused. Okay, you will die. Sorry. Um, that's just... Uh, it's the ultimate statistic, as they say, one out of one die. Um, you will die. When you die, your soul goes to be with Christ. Um, your body goes to the grave. When Jesus returns, you will be raised into a new resurrection body. Still look confused. <laughs> but that's, that's the Christian truth. That's core to the Christian, uh, Christian hope. And how do, why do we know that? Because that's what happened to Christ. Uh, Christ is our pattern. So uh, you may know who's heard of the Open Spaces Society. I, 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 yeah, I assumed they were pretty obscure when I looked them up on the web. Okay. Um, but the Open Spaces Society, they campaign for keeping green spaces. And a bit like the Ramblers Association, who you may have heard of, they try to keep footpaths open by, by walking, you know, walking down them and, and kind of asserting rights of way. Well, if you imagine that our way to heaven is a footpath that's just been closed, um, the farmer decided he doesn't like it and he's kind of put an electric fence across it um, and, it's just, and, and the weeds have grown in um, because of sin and there's no way through. Jesus is, is in a sense our pioneer. He is the one who walks the path, cuts it back so the path is open. But Jesus is also the son of the landowner to kind of push this analogy a bit further. So he gives us a right to walk that path that he has walked. And actually push the analogy a bit too far. Um, he also gives us access to the come and live in the big house at the end of the path. But listen to this. Listen, to, I want to give you a couple of scriptures. You can turn these up if you like. 1 Corinthians 6. Um, have a go. I'll tell you a page number. Pattern is the word on your word search. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. It's interesting that a lot of this comes in the context of, of, one, of Paul's letters to the Corinthians because they were not convinced about this bodily resurrection. Um, they were kind of, uh, I think they thought that the resurrection had already happened. The resurrection was just a spiritual thing. That they were in Christ. They received the Holy Spirit that they were raised. Um, and Paul is at pains to tell them this is not true. So I'll give you the context, because it's in the context is sexual immorality, but bear with me. Um, the, the Corinthians are saying to Paul, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is any beneficial, he says. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything, he says. 
You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Listen, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Now, that can't be, this can't be any clearer than that, can it? By his power, God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead and he will raise us also. Turn through a couple of pages, 2 Corinthians 6, that's on page 11. No, 2 Corinthians 4, that's on page 1161. We'll come back to those contexts, which is why I'm reading them, but let's just, let's just nail this truth down. 2 Corinthians 4.13, Paul's talking about his ministry, his, his gospel-proclaiming ministry. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. The one who raises the Lord Jesus will raise you and me also. We will be raised because Jesus has been raised. You will be raised to a new bodily life. What will it be like, you say? Well, this is the second, your second big point for the morning. When he comes, we will be like him. That's what uh, John says, 1 John 3, um, verse 2. Our citizenship is in heaven. Paul says to the Philippians, we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform <clears throat> our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What is the point of Jesus rising again from the dead um, and having a resurrection body unless it is a gift that he wants to give us also? Think what Jesus did after his resurrection. You, you can look this up and in your home groups, I suggest they're giving you a little passage at the end of Luke. Or you could, you could um, look, go to the end of John. Jesus meets the disciples in a bodily form and he eats breakfast with them. The end of Luke, Jesus, um, Jesus you know, he meets with the, um, the, the disciples in the upper room, I think. Um, and they don't quite believe it's him. And he says, have you got anything to eat, guys? And he, and he eats something. Though it does seem that he's had the ability to appear in the room without coming through the door. Now, some people will say that's, you don't have to believe that he can appear and disappear. But the point is, when they saw him on the beach, they saw him and, and is that Jesus? Is that not Jesus? He's kind of the same but different. When he comes, when Jesus returns, we will be like him. We will have a, a body like his, a resurrection body. So clearly it's going to be able to eat and drink and it's going to be able to walk around and it's going to be able to talk with people and yet it's going to be different for all those reasons that we said over there. It won't wear out and there'll be no death or mourning or crying or pain. Do you believe this? Is this part of your Christian framework? 
We will be raised because Jesus is raised. When he comes, we will be like him. It's quite a lot to take in. If this is kind of dropped out, um, it's quite a lot to take in, isn't it? Resurrection was the word, I think, on that slide. So sorry you don't have the PowerPoint. It was really good PowerPoint. It was a... <laughs> I know it really helps to have something to look at, doesn't it? Not just me, but there you go. So when at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians, um, Paul says to them, we remember your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. This is what he is talking about. This is your hope. That you will walk and talk uh, with all those who've been raised in Christ on a new earth, in a, in a new creation, uh, on which we have to add uh, by, from Revelation that the Lord himself is present. This is your hope that gives you endurance. We have to see it clearly. And we have to grow our sense of continuity with, with that eternal life. Rather than this discontinuity, I live now and then I die, boom, and then I don't know what. Living on a cloud, disembodied. It's not true. It's not true. Need a confident sense of continuity. Yes, we live on this earth, we die, got to be with Christ, but Christ returns, brings us with him, and we are raised to new bodily life, and we live on. And the earth at this point is renewed or made new, or it's a new earth, one or the other, and that's where we're going to live. Continuity was your word for that one. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? Well, let's try and nail that down. I think it subtly <clears throat> but powerfully brings us back to our bodies, brings us back to the importance of bodily um, existence. We are bodily made. We are bodily saved. That's what we did this morning, aren't we? Bodily saved. We're saved by the physical death and the physical resurrection of Christ. We are bodily raised we will be bodily raised bodies matter not designed to live forever in an, a disembodied existence now for whatever reason I grew up feeling I didn't have a right to exist and I, I, I grew up it's very strange but, but true that I grew up feeling like I just didn't have a right to bodily exist. And I've been trying all my life, and I've only realized it in the last few months, been trying to live just a purely mental existence. And I can tell you that it doesn't work. And I can tell you that it leads to all kinds of subtle but important problems. I won't tell you about my subtle but important problems now, but if you want to you know, talk to them in private, that's fine. But it's interesting, isn't it, all the focus on mindfulness. One of the things that mindfulness tries to do is to remind you um, that you're living in a body uh, and that you live in time and space. There's stuff about mindfulness that's not really Christian, but, but that sense that you come back to your body. We have a, a bodily existence and our, our, our bodies are important. And Paul's logic, those two passages in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I don't know whether you've got your finger still there. Um, 
is that we are going from one body <coughs> excuse me, to another body. And the first is frail, ages, dies, and is sinful and is downright frustrating. And the second one is glorious, imperishable, um, holy, uh, and, and, and there'll be no mourning or pain. But his argument in those two passages, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that doesn't mean that we can simply trash this one that we have now. So you see the one about that little argument about sexual immorality and about gluttony. He's, he, he, he's not saying um, you, you, this body is, is, is a temporary thing that is going to get thrown in the bin. It's going to get buried at the end of the day so you can do what you like with it. No, he says you have a bodily existence now. You will have a bodily existence then. The body is for the Lord, he says, and the Lord is for the body. And so it's like the Lord says, I'm going to give you a new body. And that new body cost the, body, uh, uh, the bodily existence of, of my son. So at least honour me with your body until that day. What you do with your body in the meantime matters. So Paul says you can't be a glutton. He says you can't be um, sexually, immoral, sexually immoral. Sex outside marriage. He says you've got to, we have to deal with the body. I know dealing with the body is a fight um, in this life. But it's a fight worth fighting because a bodily existence is what we're designed to be and what we will eternally be. So it gives us this, if we can get this perspective, if we can see this hope, if we kind of have this, this long view in our mind's eye, it goes like this, and you go up to heaven, but you're coming back to a physical existence. If you can get that in front uh, of you, it gives you a reason to deal with the physical realities, the, the, the struggle that your body's uh, kind of the, the sinful impulses they, they press upon you. But it gives us, too, a reason to press on. It gives us a reason to press on, because we can just, we can see. Helps, doesn't it, if you can see um, you know, where you're going. We're not walking in the mist. It's like walking towards a kind of glorious destination, isn't it? Or you're walking up a mountain to the summit. If you can see it, you go and you keep on going. I think it <clears throat> subtly but powerfully changes everything. So let me just give you, try and give you an example, um, and, and then we'll finish. Yesterday we had a church working party um, out in the gardens and the grounds. It was a glorious sunny day. I was wearing my knee brace on my left knee, which some of you have never seen before, um, because I have arthritis and half of it's worn out, um, and, and it's not going to get any better in this life. It'll then need replacing uh, at some point. And, and I can say, and I can go out, and I can feel, oh gosh, my body is wearing away, um, but I'll be done with it soon. It, it's, it's hopeless. It's, it's only going to get worse. Or I can go out there and say, my body is wasting away, but I will have a new one, which won't wear out, and in the meantime, I'll do with it what I can for the Lord. It's just subtle, but it's powerful. <clears throat> we were trying to cut back the hedge, um, and it's full of ivy. I mean, it's only ivy, really. Um, and the ivy is, is going back and forth between the chain-link fence. You can't cut it out. Um, there are self-seeded sycamores growing up through it, kind of giving it strength, which it doesn't really need. 
Um, and then there's kind of holly in there just to prick you while you're trying to cut it down. And I can say, it'll all go in the end. When God makes everything new, it, it'll all go in the end. Or I can say, this is just hopeless. I did look at it, actually. I did look at it. I say, this is just hopeless. It is hopeless. Come the revolution when we knock that fence down and build a new one. Hallelujah. You know, I, I can just look at it and say, this is, this is hopeless. Or... I can say I tend this to I tend this now because I'm looking forward to a day where there'll be no weeds. Even the plants will do what God wants them to do. There'll be a day, a new creation, where there are no thorns or thistles, there are no plants out of place. And so in the meantime I'll tend it until that day comes. There was a spe- there's a spectacular red colour. If you haven't seen it, go and have a look of this, of this vine. I don't know what it is. Um, it's grown all over the garage roof and it's grown up into the tree. It's a weed. I can bemoan the fact that it's growing in all the wrong places, which it is. Or I can imagine if that's how God colours a weed now. What is the new creation going to be like? If the sun in autumn... Um, on, on this earth, which is, which is frail and fallen, if that looks like that now, what is it, what is it going to look like um, in the new creation? What is the colour? What is the vibrancy going to be? I resisted, you'd be glad to know, um, the temptation to step back and let other people do the hard work. Okay, I was holding the bottom of the ladder. It was important, Okay. But there's always a temptation to something, isn't there, um, in this life? And you can either say, I, I, I'm going to give in, I'm, I'm going to fight, with, I'm, I'm going to give in. Why, why is the point in being selfless? I'm going to give up fighting my selfishness. I'm going to give up fighting my laziness. I'm going to give up my, uh, fighting my appetites because this body's just going and some vague disembodied existence that means nothing to me. No. No, yes, I have a heart which is corrupt and, and, and sinful and I have to fight it every day. But I'm going to fight it every day because I'm going to have a new body which has a heart to do what the Lord wants it to do um, and will do it perfectly and completely and, and joyfully and without mistake, just like Jesus lived his life. And I'm going to do it forever in, in a body. And we stood around in the sun, having a bit of a chin mic over a cup of tea. And do you not think in those moments, this is, this is great. I don't want to lose that. I'm not going to be a disembodied soul. How do they have a chin mic? Presumably they do say something. There's a picture in Revelation of being under the altar and saying to the Lord, how long? How long? Before this is over. Or I can say this is great. But this is just a foretaste of what it's going to be like uh, to stand in the presence of the Lord with his people in the new creation forever. Two things.
Because Jesus was raised bodily, you are going to be raised bodily. When he comes, we will be like him. Atheism and materialism say we can't have this hope, but it's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. We can have this hope. We do have this hope. It is the real concrete, physical, bodily hope of the Christian. And if you're not going to put that in your schema, then you've just ripped the heart out of the New Testament. Proper hope changes everything and it helps us joyfully endure. So as as Bill read, just to, to finish, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Do you hear that? Flesh and blood, your body now, it cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Your perishable body, it can't inherit this new kingdom that God's going to create. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. I once saw that in a card to a new mother and a parent, a new mother and new father. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. No. Um, In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Therefore, and 1 Corinthians 15, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this hope. What kind of pressures say we can't have this hope? We can, we do. It is ours. Why should we say it's unreasonable that we should be raised bodily when we believe that Jesus has already been raised bodily? Give us the, give us the confidence to say both. Jesus is bodily raised. I will be bodily raised. When he comes, I will be like him. Lord, paint the picture of that day ever brighter in front of our minds, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.